0: a Filipino father and a German Irish mother so when i grew up we were the brown kids in a white neighborhood so we were um we were picked on through uh growing up because we were the different ones and um so life was um, sometimes difficult uh but more so for my brother, because he was the boy. We were, the girls, you know, it was more interesting and not quite as difficult. We didn't get picked on quite as much. But, you know, it was, uh, it was different growing up. Um, my mom was a really difficult woman. She suffered from bipolar, from depression. Um, but she also had a really cruel streak in her. And she had favorites, and I wasn't one of them. And I tried as hard as I, as I could to please her, um, but it didn't work very often. And she was just a really unhappy woman. Um, my dad, uh, we had a really great relationship. Um, we had a chemistry since birth, so that really didn't help my relationship with my mom because she was really jealous of my relationship with my dad. But she was jealous of anything that had to do with me for some reason. Um, but the thing with my dad is that he didn't really know how to teach me what it was a dad was supposed to teach a daughter And he didn't know how to teach me how to keep myself safe, how to teach me that I was beautiful, that I was special, and how to keep my body safe from predators, which is something that I needed. It turned out that I needed to learn. Um, And I had to learn at a young age to be the good girl, to, you know, it was a part I played to get attention. to get love, especially from my mom. And I didn't know that that was conditional love. Um, I also learned that being funny was a good thing in my family. It helped to make peace. Um, It helped to uh, cool, cool down troubled waters in the family. And what I found out was I was the peacemaker in the family. It didn't solve problems, but it made peace. And I found out that was one of my jobs and um, it didn't fix anything, but it made nice. And that turned out to be one of my jobs. I found out that um, some of my other jobs was I was a little mother. I was the caretaker. I was a cook, I was the dishwasher, Um, I was a go-between between between my parents. And when they got divorced, which was World War III, I was a go-between then. And it was horrible. And I told them later on that it was child abuse. And both of them later um, apologized for that. But the words that they said to each other and said to me to deliver to each other were words that you should never say to a child. Um, But acting grown up was more instinctual than acting as a child, I didn't know how. But all that led to low self-esteem and a bad picker when it came to men. And I picked two bad husbands one of which I kicked out when I was halfway through my pregnancy because he was doing drugs. And the second kept denying the women he was sleeping with, but I got two wonderful sons, one of which who's 33 and the other one is, actually no, he's 34, I keep forgetting. (laughs) And the other one is 28 Uh, and I'm really grateful. I don't ever want to go back to those teenage years. My dad, um, he died almost 18 years ago, and I thought I didn't want to go through life without him. I couldn't see being on this earth without him. And I was so mad at God for taking the good parent. But I had my sons and I had to go on and you know my dad was he was my he was my crutch emotionally financially and medically cuz he was my doctor too and i was a mess for months it was hard to work it was hard to function and i leaned on my therapist and it took me months But finally I started to be able to function. And he got me through. And then after a few years, um, he started talking to me about OA and I'd never heard about it. And so I buckled down and he started telling me to, about OA and about compulsive eating. And I didn't even know I had a problem with food because I had repressed all my memories, good and bad. And I didn't know I was numb. And, you know, and that's part of the reason that I use notes when I speak because my memory is so bad. And so when I, He was telling me that I was a compulsive eater. I knew that I grazed, but I don't have memories of when I started eating or what I did with food because my memory of my childhood of blocks of time is gone, but I guess I don't really need to know in order to recover. So he just started, he just told me to go to OA. But that's also when I started to rebel. Because I was scared. You know, he said, okay, go to OA. But I started getting scared because that meant, well, he's going to make me stop eating. I'm going to have to start stop eating my favorite foods. I don't want to do that, you know, go to meetings. How many, you know, how many meetings a week, you know, Well, go, now you got to go get a sponsor. Well, I don't want to go get a sponsor, you know, everything he told me that he wanted me to do. I just rebelled because I was scared of everything. You know, my life was in chaos and I was afraid to fail but i was also afraid to succeed because if i succeeded i might have to do more but if i failed if i failed then i just i was lost you know i couldn't i couldn't see through the fear But I said, okay, I would just I would start and, you know, but I would get a little bit. The most I ever got was 35 days. And I would go a little bit. I'd go through steps one through three, but I'd get stuck at three because. I couldn't get a connection with my higher power because I had a problem with control. My first ex did did drugs and he bounced checks everywhere and I was still finding them years later. My second ex almost cost me my house and my car when he lied to me and told me everything was paid for before he left for California and told me he was getting help, which really meant that he moved in with his girlfriend and his mom lied to me about it. So you see, everybody let me down. And so I had to tighten up the controls. So why would anything be any different? And then when it came to God, why would God be any different? Why could I trust anyone and even God? And so I had a really hard time getting past step three. And then finally at the beginning of the pandemic, I got really depressed. And then I got really sad on top of that. And I don't do sad. And when I put those together, I just, I couldn't do it. And I said, all right, God, I'll do it your way. I'll listen, I'll be teachable and I finally got low enough. I finally got my gift of desperation. So I did what my therapist had been telling me to do. I did what my sponsor had been telling me to do. I listened and there was a convention um, from the Los Angeles Intergroup, And so I went to that on Zoom and I'll fast forward. And, you know, there was a bunch of people there and I went to it all weekend. And at the very end, there was somebody that was actually here from Chicago. And I just sent a note saying thank you. And that person said, you know, if there's there's some meetings in Chicago, if you are interested, here's my number. So I took it really quick and then my Internet died. And so I contacted her and she sent me these meetings and I went every day that week. And then there was this convention in Vancouver, and it was about shame, or it was a you know this whole weekend, and I went. And then there was a spitfire blonde who was speaking on shame, and her name was Kimmy, and she just blew me away. And I wanted to hear more from her, and it turns out she started this meeting out of Chicago um, called Better Together. And I followed her there and I never left. And that meeting changed my life. I've been going there every night. And then she asked me to do service at that meeting and I was scared to death, but you know what? She, I was so honored that I couldn't say no. She asked me to host and not because I knew what I was doing, but I had this headset on my head. So she thought I knew what I was doing. And it's only because I had earbuds in before and they hurt my ears. So I asked my son to find me something and he found me this. And so I said, yes. But you know what? The service changed my life. And I felt like I was part of the group and I felt like I belonged. And I started making friends and building connections And it built up my self-confidence and I started to blossom and I started making friends and I started to get some abstinence and I started to blossom. And my social world was opening up, even though I wasn't leaving the house and my walls started coming down. And I was letting God in. And I was being comfortable, truly being me. And then Kimmy asked me to share my story for the first time. And I'd never done that. And then the really hard parts started. And that was accepting the love. And nobody prepares you for that. Especially when you've had a lifetime of accepting crumbs. And what a blessing it is to realize that I am loved. That I'm enough. And that I don't have to run away. I would never experience that without this program and all my fellows. And I've changed so much since coming here. I have so much more confidence and I have boundaries. I'm teachable. Okay. And I can go through difficult things abstinently. I'm using the steps to change my life. I'm feeling my feelings, and I'm okay with that, and I'm not eating over it. I am happy just being me. I could never say that before. I'm finally, I finally have a connection with my higher power. I'm forever grateful for the love, the acceptance, and the friendships I've found here. I have found myself here, and I finally have hope. My miracles are these, and they're not in any particular order. I finally have a relationship with my higher power, which I call God, my biggest stumbling block of the past. In my desperation, I decided to go to a meeting a day, pray even if I didn't feel like it right, especially when I didn't want to, ask my sponsor to start working the steps with me again, and thank God she never gave up on me. I did wonder why all this happened during the pandemic when so many people are suffering. I almost felt guilty for feeling good. But I think God blessed me for this abstinence and peace so that I could be there for my sister and my niece who were going through a divorce and a custody battle. Because my sister hated me while we were growing up and it wasn't our fault. And it's because our parents result resented her for being born too soon after me and my mom having a nervous breakdown or that's what it's called then. And by the time we got close, she moved to New York with her new husband and 26 years later, I'm the person my sister and my niece can turn to. And since then, my sister lived in a shelter for a while and now she's in an apartment but she's still dealing with a disturbed man and I'm still her support system. But now my sister and I are best friends. And if that's not a higher power, I don't know what is. In the last couple of years, I went through the most difficult health experience of my life. Nine months of non nonstop health pain. There were times I wanted to rip my face off to be rid of the pain. Month after month of testing to find no answers. Finally, a surgery, except that it doesn't work, or the anesthesia doesn't work enough to keep me out of excruciating pain. I'm supposed to feel discomfort, but not pain. They call off the surgery, which has now caused me trauma. The second one worked, thank goodness. I used my program, my tools, my fellows, and my higher power to get through it. I did everything in my power to prepare completely for the surgery. I made sure that this time the doctors were using enough anesthesia or drugs to keep me comfortable during the procedure while allowing me to be aware to answer their questions when needed. Along with the other details I needed, once I was satisfied, there was absolutely nothing else I could do. I handed everything else over to God. I put my surgery in my God box, physically and spiritually. I asked my fellows to pray for me and I meditated to reduce my stress. Once I did this, it cut my fear in half. And then after a few days, it cut it in half again. I incorporated my meditation breathing and the serenity prayer, and it got me through the surgery and the year without eating over it. I have had this surgery again and it was successful. And for someone who used to stub their toe and eat over it, that was a miracle. I have boundaries with compassion with my mother and my conflicting feelings over her health and care. Then four months ago, my mom died and I didn't know it would affect me as much as it did. My emotions were all over the place, not just because of losing my mom, but also because of my siblings' responses and their relationships to her and my lack of one. I knew it had nothing to do with me and everything to do with her, but it still hurt like hell. And I had my tools and my fellows and my higher powers and my program and I didn't eat over it. And I'm learning to heal from her death and that eating will not solve my problems, that everything takes time. I guess my biggest miracle is that I have a confidence and a joy in life that I never have. I came in for the weight loss, but I found myself. For the newcomers, it's okay to struggle. We all do. Just don't leave. Your miracle will happen. Mine did, and they're still happening. Just don't leave before your miracle happens. Just abstain from leaving. Thank you.